0: Um, welcome to Slacks. We're back. Um, just to give you guys a little um, recap on what we do. We're two, we're three friends, not two, we're three. This time we're three. <laughs> yeah, we I'm missed back. you. We I was, missed I was you. just already <laughs> taking myself out of the equation. That was quick. Oh, God. Um, I was very ill last week. Very good now. So that's good. I um, mean, you
1: got, I mean, can we talk a little bit about it? Should we want to. You had noro. the neurovirus. I think we, yeah. said we actually that. mentioned it. I think yeah, we did. I
2: know. She's but she's old. back. It's okay, I'm not ashamed. Ready to attack <laughs> with her amazing nun habit shirt, which is our Shout opening theme tune.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. But I really
2: like. I actually want to buy this sweatshirt. It's
0: a good shade of pink. I love know. it. It's a great yeah. shade mm. of pink. How much so, was it? I don't know, but it was cheap and is worth buying. Kate, it, nun habit girls, you
2: should give us the website unless Darina knows it. It's or, at nunhabit
3: that's their instagram Instagram? yeah so for context
1: Nun habit are the amazing band who do our theme tune which is called scandinavian wives and you should check them out on instagram at Nun habit i hope it's at Nun habit or else I'm sure. It, uh, um, we'll it might be, be non-habit band.
0: Either way, I don't think there's a ton of Instagram accounts. We'll, post it, we'll, we'll post, post it on the gram. We'll post it on the gram. We'll we post, need yeah. to do a shout
1: out, actually. So yes, Matilda's is rocking some of their amazing merchandise. Yeah. Um,
0: it's a naked lady on it as well. It's a naked so lady. Like if you, you know, if you just like naked ladies, then why wouldn't you buy it?
1: And don't we all? We... We're yeah.
0: yeah. Bantam. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> banter it's already, a bloody slow bloody
1: start today. Oh, um,
0: but anyway, I'm Mathilde and I am half Italian, half Belgian.
1: I'm Doreena, I'm Irish, um, but live in London.
2: I'm Mallory and I am American.
0: Yay! And we're three friends and we talk about everything lesbian that we find exciting and interesting and boring and makes us angry or makes us happy and or just we feel like talking about. And this week we have a fantastic guest, Stephanie May's soon-to-be doctor. And uh, she's going to be talking to us about her incredible um, PhD and just amazing topic, which goes all around breast cancer and how it kind of ties into identity and sexuality. Welcome, Stephanie. Welcome. Thank you for having
1: me. Hi, Stephanie Mace. Hello.
3: How's it going? Hello, London. Hello, London. Nearly yeah.
0: <laughs> You're not based in London,
3: are you? No, I'm based in Manchester. For your sins. Yeah, yeah. Based what's, in Manchester.
0: What's the lesbian scene
1: like in Manchester nowadays? banging is really? it actually, yeah
3: it's always been you don't sound so convincing no 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 i'm, I'm trying it's to hold actually, it back it's okay it's, i mean
1: let loose it's yeah let loose. Go well we for were it. kind
3: of talking about it earlier weren't we there's a real connection between manchester and london lesbians um and so i guess yeah there's a lot of crossover between friends and groups um definitely yeah
1: the, the last time i was in a um LGBTQ plus venue in Manchester it was not actually that long ago. It was um mm. our friends hen party and we ended up in Vanilla Ooh. Bar. Is that Safeful. a lesbian bar? That's it's a lesbian bar. Definitely a lesbian, pure, definitely like, only a lesbian for girls. bar. Oh. No, we actually it was a very very welcoming atmosphere. It was a very mixed um hen party. There was lots mm. of actually a majority of straight men um in the group because they were friends of the bride-to-be and i remember being a little bit nervous bringing a group of straight men into vanilla because i didn't want anyone in there to feel like what the hell is going on or whatever and no one gave a shit everyone was playing pool doing shots it was all very cool actually. this was why
0: the... they vanilla because that to me just makes me think of boring sex
1: that's a very good
3: point actually i'm
2: sorry
1: but i
0: need to I'm I'm find offended. the owner Steph, can you go back
2: to manchester <laughs> find out why it's called vanilla.
3: It's a really valid point, actually. I mean, right? It's, oh my it's anything but bland. It's wow. I mean, that
1: is true. We're so just very colourful, for it right?
3: Like now. <laughs> you know
2: how London, like we've had a lot of um deaths of the lesbian bars here. Is so are there like lesbian specific bars in Manchester?
3: Not really. Um I think similar to London, the gay scene has kind of spread into the northern quarter, which mm. is an area near the train station in the city center so, so things have kind of fused into the city center which is a positive in terms of acceptability mm. and um but in terms of canal street things aren't what they used to be um it used to be a very strong hub um it used to be a very social kind of scene and and that's dissipated a bit now into mm. into the city center so. that's such a shame because
1: yeah. i mean have you guys seen queer as folk yeah.
2: A long time ago. Though. Oh my
1: God, it was like, have you seen it? before? No, oh my God, Queers Folk is incredible. And I think Queer as Folk did more for the Manchester gay scene than like anything could ever have done. Like Canal yeah. Street was portrayed like consistently on that show and in such like an amazing and impactful way. Mm. But like, it's such a shame that like that magic is a little bit gone now. I think Queer
3: as Folk was the reason I moved to Manchester for university really? I as think well. so many it people so were doing What weird
0: Queer as Folk about?
1: Gosh. Oh, we're going to feel old i the the feel like Mid-90s? it was like
0: 97 yeah oh, wow. it had lesbians in it though wasn't it just guys
1: there were there were a couple of lesbians in it yeah peripheral um, lesbians there were peripheral lesbians <laughs> There second. was a peripheral lesbian couple who had um yes. a baby yes who was Aww. um there was one of the main characters was the donor there was a whole like kind of subplot around that um yeah, I lesbians remember that, actually. Peripherals. Lesbians. Peripheral a lesbian. But I remember <laughs> The vanilla it.
0: lesbians hanging around on the sides.
1: <laughs> one, of the, um, one of the lesbian couple, one half of the lesbian couple in Queers Folk was the same actress that was in, and I wonder, nobody's going to have seen this. It's so obscure. But she was the same actress that also played a lesbian in a show called Playing the Field. Nope. Which was about women footballers in the north of england oh my god it's nope. incredible i have the vhs box sorry this oh is a, so a film
2: or a tv show it's a tv show oh yeah we it's should a, like, all do it
1: like, mid-90s tv show there was a lesbian plot in it obviously because it's about women footballers yeah and it was all just 90s incredibleness but anyway yes we all need to check so it I out i think we
2: need to do like a night by the fire watching the show we yeah. do you know what we have been
1: planning vhs night for what feels like about you know 500 years i have a particular collection of a um <laughs> lesbian I, I was gonna say soft lesbian porn. flavored vhs and that just <laughs> sounds like really wrong but like lesbian VHSs, and it's not pornographic i mean soft i mean i mean <laughs> let's move on because i mean it's like anyway i'm gonna stop talking now but yes VHSs, vhs stuff on um lesbian stuff on VHSs was basically my whole um teenagehood but that's maybe a story for another time but playing the field check it out i think you can watch some of it on youtube very niche um
2: actually the next countdown for a great tv show is the l words coming back as we yeah. all know i'm equal parts
0: terrified and excited why are you scared because it might be really bad i know but you know what and we not go in into it with like so bad is good it, with with bad, like as so
2: good. it yeah. could just be super shit but like let's just pretend like it's not
1: we need, we need to have open hearts for it because exactly. God knows, you know, exactly. the word changed all of us a little bit and now it's coming back. So we need to be, you know, open to that mm, and, absolutely. you know, whatever shape or form it takes. I have high hopes.
2: Steph, were you ever a big fan of? Uh, Massive
3: a fan. Yeah. yeah. It kind of stayed with me even to today. I'll think of one or two characters, you No, know, mainly Tina. Tina. Oh, Ooh, Tina's Tina. not coming back. That's a good thing for me, because she kind of haunted me. Did she? Ever- yeah. <laughs> She's just
2: really triggering for you. Very triggering. In and what I'm,
3: I'm, way? I haven't really got around it yet. I'm not sure, but, um, yeah. Well, as in, like, very, you
0: really dislike her. She
3: makes me very tense. Yeah. She, she held herself in a very tense way
2: like she wasn't very truthful mm. to herself yeah. in some ways and every yeah. scene
3: that she was in i'd come away just feeling quite i need a cup of tea oh my uh, god i've never
2: heard tina being triggering for
3: she's someone before she's really triggering jenny definitely oh god oh, jenny
2: god. wow i was so happy when she died Jenny yeah. i'm oh, sorry but i was like the, like fine like she needed to be killed off no one mm. controversial Everyone, opinion everyone's looking at me like i just i disagree killed puppy. Okay, I mean nobody liked disagree? her,
1: but I mean deserved to die. Those are All right. very strong. This is no, a hang fictional hang on, hang character.
0: On, Steph, just raise her hand, Steph. You liked Jenny. I
3: really loved Jenny. Oh, oh no, God. Yeah. controversial. Really,
0: I mean, really, really. I think that. you must be the only one ever
3: to uh, yeah on the kind of spectrum. Jenny was very high up, and uh, Tina was lower Jenny, down. Jenny,
2: I could understand in like season two. I think Jenny mm. had her height in season two. Mm. She was cool a babe, like not taking away from her aesthetics at all. Hmm. She became a little bit crazy.
3: Troubles. She was always
1: crazy. She became bitches be crazy. She like, was extra She was oh so extra But so
0: her extra. character Was always meant to be extra Even at the beginning With her boyfriend And stuff She always misbehaved Tim Never forget his name Never
1: <laughs> <laughs> I had a bit of a soft spot For Tim He was a good man He was a good guy I thought yeah, I She didn't deserve him She definitely didn't
2: God we're doing a We are going to Fully do an L word <laughs> When the It's, when it it's comes happening out. We're doing a full episode And we're going to Dissect every second of it We're going to wait. Have you guys ever played
1: Sean the, get ready. Have you ever played The L word um, uh, drinking na- game no no oh my god maybe we'll like do like a live episode we will never do a live episode but we'll do an episode where we're playing like the we're drinking game Okay.
0: okay. It's, when do cool. you drink so like-
1: it's like uh so it the the game is based on one particular episode in season one and it's something like um do a shot when Shane rolls by in a leather vest top because uh, that happens at one point. You'll be wasted. Do a shot. By, like, oh, so wasted. I can tell you the full story at another point. Not on the podcast, but there was definitely um it got it got it got fun that night. Was, <laughs> was good fun. There's another one. Um drink a shot every time they say, Bet and Tina say, Let's make a baby. It's like it's really yeah, it's pretty fun. We'll have to make a whole new one out of the new yeah. season. Yeah.
2: For sure. So, Steph, thank you so much for joining us all the way from Manchester. My all the way. Um, yeah, so we did a lot of research on the work that you're doing at the moment, and yeah. it's incredibly fascinating. Um, can you just share a little bit about what it is that you exactly do and what you're kind of focused on?
3: Yeah, so it's, I'm in the, the final stage of a PhD that uh, looks into the ways in which clinicians and patients talk to each other around psychosexual health in a breast cancer clinic Um, and psychosexual health can be anything from the obvious, which is sex life and intimacy, but it can cover a wide range of um, aspects in terms of uh, body image, gender identity, um, self-confidence, self-esteem, the way women feel in clothes and breast cancer treatment can have a significant impact on a patient's psychosexual health. Obviously, the the surgical procedures can be really disfiguring. Um, but then chemotherapy as well for women who are younger, premenopausal can uh, start off early menopause. Um, and with that, you get some really uncomfortable symptoms such as uh, dry vagina. So you, it, it's painful having sex. Um, you can completely lose your libido as well. Radiotherapy, you get a lot of scarring and skin discoloration from the beams. Um, So your body image is massively affected by that. And these are all things that are quite difficult to talk about in a clinical setting. Um, So my PhD research is looking into the ways in which patients and clinicians, well, firstly, asking if they do talk about it, which they did. And then secondly, what are they talking about and and how effective is that communication?
2: Mm. And so that must be quite difficult because I feel like... um Physicians in general have like their way of doing things and especially within the NHS and with people being stretched like do you feel that people are actually putting um, Importance on this.
3: Yeah, I do um, it was surprising in a really positive way um, Bearing in mind. I only worked in one hospital in the okay. Northwest So my experience is limited in terms of this isn't indicative of mm. the entire UK, but um, These issues were coming up a lot for women um, and clinicians, so they could be breast cancer surgeons, breast care nurses, oncologists, some more kind Mm. of cancer specialists, consultants. Everybody was kind of giving patients the time that they needed to talk through the more nuanced aspects of of cancer treatment. And I think that's in recognition of um, statistics now, obviously, especially breast cancer, um, the prognosis tends to be more favourable than ever before. So more people are... Mm. Are living with and beyond the disease which is a, a great thing but it more means that more people are having to live with the consequences and side effects of, of treatment that can be chronic so they can go on you know for a very long time they can be kind of life limiting for a lot of patients so it's a recognition that these things need to be spoken about in sessions while patients are in care so they can be prepared with you know how best to to cope with these consequences rather than traditionally you know sex wasn't talked about body image wasn't talked about you know there was a kind of feeling in both patients and clinicians that well we've got rid of the cancer so you know off you pop you're Mm -hmm. okay and in a way yeah you know these patients are living and their lives have been saved but at the same time some of them are not having sex with their partner they're not able to look at themselves in the mirror they don't like you know looking at themselves naked they don't like wearing clothes anymore because they don't feel the same in them so there's a whole load of kind of extra issues that that need to be addressed mm. yeah
0: cuz some of the the articles and research that you send through to us mentioned how difficult reconstruction actually is and how mm. um when you when you go through treatment and people kind of assume that you want reconstruction and actually they don't really tell you so much the how difficult it is to reconstruct your breasts. Yeah, um, and I don't know if that if I read that right, but apparently reconstructed breasts don't don't have nipples.
3: They can't. So, techni- I know so much about this now. Actually. No, this yeah. is good because so.
0: yeah, I was I was I I
2: read about like some some having nipples, some not having nipples, some being able to save their nipples yeah. as well.
3: So it depends on where the the cancer tumor is. If it's very close to the nipple then um, the majority of cases, the nipple will have to be removed. Um, But there are cases where the cancer is in a different site of the breast. So, and I'm not too medically technical on this point, but the nipple can can be spared. So It's kind of a nipple sparing operation. The cancer removed and then the breast reconstructed and and the nipple's almost sewn back in, Mm. in a way. But then there are other ways. So if patients do lose their nipples, because I, you know, before starting this research, I didn't even think about the importance of a nipple to feminine identity. Sure. But for mm-hmm. many women, it's it's really important. So if they unfortunately lose the nipple, there are so many techniques around um, tattooing. So 3D tattooing mm. that can mm-hmm. kind of give the illusion of a nipple. Um, oh, wow. I think, wasn't
2: there something recently when um, a woman on Facebook, she had her picture taken down, um, but it was actually a picture of her breast and it was a tattooed nipple oh wow And so people protested um uh, in front of facebook headquarters did you guys not see this i was on the bbc um but i thought it was a real breast and it was actually a tattooed Mm. of course it was a real breast but it was a tattooed nipple and it looked incredibly real like
3: literally it looked like a real nipple yeah you can also get stick on nipples as well which sounds ridiculous but the kind of technology behind them makes Mm. them look so natural yeah yeah so and for a lot of these women, that is a kind of vital aspect of their aesthetic. So mm-hmm. the loss of a nipple is is really significant to mm. them. Yeah.
2: I mean, looking at some of the photos of women who have gone through um, reconstructive surgery or, and correct me if I'm wrong as well, because... In, in my brain, I look at reconstructive surgery as um, either getting implantations, yeah. which, correct me if I'm wrong, yeah. um, or, and then in some cases, I, I saw lots of photos of women without nipples. So it looked like they tried to salvage what was left and just didn't. Yes. I'm holding my breast the whole time, by the way. Yeah, no, funny. you'll do that Invent so much. My, she's doing yeah. that.
3: Um, we'll all be doing it yeah. eventually.
2: <laughs> Let's this us all happens. cup
3: our breasts. This okay. um,
2: But I noticed that they they there were just scar, scars or yeah. a, around where the nipple is meant to be. So mm. is that because they couldn't have nipples or because they decided not to?
3: Uh, yeah, I guess it, it, it depends on the case. Um, but yeah, I, I imagine that in, in those cases, it was quite invasive surgery. So mm. if, if we talk through the different procedures, so yeah. depending on the cancer type, and the stage of the tumour, so how far it's spread, the size of the tumour. You'll either have a mastectomy, so that's a total removal of the breast, or you'll have a lumpectomy, so if the cancer's a smaller site, you'll have a kind of, they call it a wide local excision, so a cut in the breast, the cancer will be removed and then I'm holding my breath here. Um, <laughs> it's a
1: requirement when you answer a question <laughs> yeah. or even ask a question. Or but you,
2: when you said local, like it could be like literally like at the top part of your breast, like by yeah. the armpit, for example. Yeah. yeah. Um, it could be lower as well, maybe by the rib cage yeah. or something like that. Yeah. Okay. yeah.
3: Yeah. So it's kind of a smaller size tumor. Okay. Um, and so that will be cut out and then the breast, the, the remaining breast tissue will be This is not technical whatsoever. Squish together (laughs) um, to kind of save as much of the natural breast shape as possible. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's the second option. If you've had a mastectomy, you can either just stay flat or you can go for reconstruction, which is either using implants, which are saline or silicone based kind of jelly form, Mm. or autologous implants, which is taking fat from another area of your body and injecting it into the breast. So that's usually your buttocks or your stomach. So a lot of Best women, of both worlds, well, yeah. and that's exactly what comes out in my data that women are trying to kind of put a brave face on things and say, "Oh, well, you know, I'll have a tummy tuck, yeah. and have a, a, a breast Hell yeah. enhancement." Of at course, the same time. definitely.
2: Yeah. Like I, that 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 makes the most sense to me. I've I've learned recently um, with, and this is more for cosmetic purposes, where women who have had um, fake breasts put in with is it silicone yeah 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 um there's been a lot of medical issues with it and a lot of um those implants that have really affected their psychology Mm. um uh their mental health and um just how a lot of women are getting them removed Mm. and Mm. i guess with women who have had breast cancer and i mean does the same sort of thing happen
3: or yeah um so so again kind of looking at my experience and, and the women that I filmed, um, the implant-based reconstructions tended to be more problematic. And I won't go into the kind of too far into the detail around this, but but a lot of it is around radiotherapy treatment. So patients will have implants put into their breast. They'll then have radiotherapy treatment on top of that to make sure the cancer cells have gone. But the radiotherapy treatment can then distort the implants. Mm. So you get what what you call capsular contracture where you get um a load of scar tissue around the implant mm. that starts to distort it, so you're you're now kind of getting into problematic aesthetics in terms of breast asymmetry or you know disfigured breasts. Or mm. yeah, yeah.
0: But, but, yeah go sorry. ahead. No, go ahead. No, but it sounds like um, a fair few women are now deciding not to mm. get reconstruction and to sort of stay flat after after mastectomy.
3: Yeah, yeah. That's becoming. Um, to say increasingly popular but i guess an increasingly common choice um and i don't know what you guys think about that whether it kind of reflects um current societal trends in Mm. in women's identity or for some of those women it will be a risk reducing procedure so they'll have a bilateral mastectomy so both breasts will be removed so that'll be the cancerous breast and their healthy breast as well Mm. because they just want to make sure that their chances of getting cancer recurrence are limited mm-hmm. um, and then they stay flat. And so that's, that's becoming more common. Yeah. So why do
2: you think that is as opposed to getting reconstructive surgery?
3: I, th- I personally think, um, I think clinicians are very good at setting expectations around breast reconstructions now. Yeah. And I think possibly, uh, you know, historically, a lot of women thought that they were going to regain... Their natural breasts through this procedure, and actually, that's not the case. They're never going to have breasts the way that you know they're never going to look the same as they did before they had the cancer diagnosis. And I, I wonder personally if it's a reflection of that, and 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 the fact that clinicians can be more honest about this isn't going to look like you know your breasts were before. It's we're not going to be able to achieve that.
2: Yeah, I mean, I was reading in one of the articles about um, one of the. Surgeons who was talking about the fact that a woman like it's a great opportunity for women because they might actually have better breasts than they ha- than they originally had, and that really mm. bothered me, mm. um, kind of to the core. I, I just you know I guess in so many ways, you know, are these doctors kind of informing women that, um, you know, having implants they won't have the same sensations that they used to have? Mm. Like, are is there education around that, and also like psychologically? You know, what impact does it have on, on on women?
3: Yeah, there's definite, from my experience, education around advising patients of the risks, advising them of the probable aesthetic outcome of it, talking a lot around breast asymmetry. Um, so one of the papers to come out my PhD, because breast asymmetry was talked so much in the clinic, um, is around that topic. Um, what is that exactly? So breast asymmetry is a a difference in the size, shape, position um, or density of one breast in relation Mm. to the other. Um, And breast cancer surgery, if you think about it, if you have breast cancer in one breast and you have surgery on that breast, that breast is going to look very different from your healthy Mm -hmm. breast, especially Mm. if you're an older lady where breasts tend to droop the older we get and you suddenly have um, a newly reconstructed breast and Mm. the healthy ones so that's that's asymmetrical so then on the nhs at the moment because it's amazing you can have surgery on the healthy breast to try and achieve better symmetry but then you're kind of entering into this race of constantly trying to get like little
2: tuck little nap
3: yeah yeah yeah. and if you think about it none of us have perfectly symmetrical breasts
0: no it's a classic to have one smaller than the other yeah like Apparently, shapes as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. I've never taken enough notice. Actually, I'm gonna to have to have a look. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember I
2: like it. cupped oh, you know. mine once, and I was like, definitely one's bigger than the other. I mean, I don't <laughs> want to do
1: any cupping right now, but I mean, we all have, we all have. I mean, no, we're, we're all it. doing it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I feel like I know they can't be perfectly symmetrical, but like, yeah, I'm gonna to have to investigate this further because I hear that it's like, isn't it like, like it will never happen that you've like two perfectly symmetrical breasts, right? Or is it like, kind of, is it a thing that happens?
3: I guess the idea of perfect and symmetry is, yeah, are we ever going to reach or achieve perfection? I think in a breast cancer context, it's all the more heightened because, you know, an experience of breast cancer is just peppered with loss and change. You've lost the sense of self that you once had. You've lost these breasts. you once had you you've had a cancer experience that made that's made your whole body change in in some way shape or form and Mm. you desperately want to get back some sense of normal Mm. but in breast cancer care we talk a lot about a new normal because we can't go back to the old normal right and so it's about educating patients around what that new normal might look for them Mm. and for a lot of women in, in my study you know we're talking about going flat-chested the majority of women in my study they attached so much importance to their breasts it was a massive part of their identity and they mourned the loss of them and so f- for these women reconstruction is really really important you know it's not just an aesthetic cosmetic thing it's mm. it's everything to them it's how they present themselves to the world so um yeah
2: do you think that these women um who i who who you know were breasts were a huge part of their identity do you think it was something that they ever really thought about before they, do you know what I mean? Mm. Because when I, and I guess I asked this because when I was um, reviewing some of the materials that you shared, yeah, I don't think I ever thought about not having my breasts yeah. ever or, or not even having my nipples or not having, I guess what I'm just used to having. Mm. Um, and, and I, and I did ask myself with this, how, how, would I cope? Like, is this a huge part of my identity? Are my, yeah. are my boobs a part of who I am? And I, you know, um, and, and the long and short of it is I, I don't know, but I could imagine that if I didn't have them, it would be probably quite upsetting. Mm. Probably have to change all of your wardrobe, mm. which would also be financially Definitely. annoying, you know, and, and hard. Um, and also just, I guess the way that you hold yourself, I've never really thought about it until you said the way that people, women hold themselves or how they walk into rooms or, I don't think I lead chest first, but maybe I do. I don't know. You know, I guess what uh, what are the sorts of things that women, I guess, say to you when they I guess when you're reviewing these cases with them?
3: Yeah. So so they're not talking directly to me, although I've sat with so much film. um, I feel like they are. Um, So I I put a mini GoPro camera in Mm. the consultation ahead of each consultation and pressed record and and left so the consultation was a very natural encounter between the clinician and the patient um and a lot of women the way they they spoke to clinicians it was about just trying to as i said before just regain some sense of normality they spoke a lot about how post-surgery they found you know the clothes didn't fit them the Mm. way they used to um they didn't want to go out anymore they didn't want to be with their partner sexually they didn't want the partner to see them getting undressed um you know one patient wouldn't let the partner in the room until she was in bed covered up um because Mm. she was just so a lot of shame around her body and, Mm. and and shame around disfigurement um and so i guess they look to clinicians and surgeons and reconstructive procedures as a way of correcting that and saving them really um, Mm. and helping them with their confidence. Yeah.
0: Did you see a lot of links between people that sort of um, maybe sit in different um, parts of the gender spectrum and how they saw um, themselves? So, you know, for example, if you're not on the binary spectrum then Mm. do you maybe give less importance to your breast or more or is it something that you're not quite as bothered I don't know I wonder if you're someone that um and it might be completely wrong but you know if you're someone that wants to appeal to the male gaze or goes out with Mm. men is having breasts something that is very much part of of how you present sexually and how you attract a partner and is that the case then less so with people that don't Want to fit if if they if they don't want to do that so much.
3: That's a really good question. And again, my caveat with my research is that my sample size, so the number of patients that were involved in my study, are relatively small. Mm. It's in one hospital in the northwest, so I can't make massive generalizations. But a really interesting part came up in the work that I will write a separate paper on at some point. um, Was a patient who identified as a lesbian woman. Um, she was kind of postmenopausal. Um, and she had quite an aggressive form of cancer in her left breast and opted to have a, a mastectomy. Um and because she was having a mastectomy of one breast, she decided to have the other breast removed as well and and stay flat. And the consultation that I filmed um was between her and her breast care nurse, where the breast care nurse he was very diligently just checking in with this patient constantly around, are you sure we don't, you don't need a reconstruction? We can give you breast prostheses. So, you know, kind of fake breast mm. implants that you put in your bra mm-hmm. to give the illusion of breasts. And just very gently checking in with the patient mm-hmm. as to whether she was happy with the status quo of, of being flat chested. And this patient was resolute. She was actually really happy as you could be, as happy as you could be with in recovering from cancer, but was, was really happy to have had the breasts removed and just to be wearing her vests and categorically did not want to even look at reconstruction. And that kind of made me wonder, that a lesbian thing, is that just a personal preference? And, mm-hmm. you know, kind of, I, I was the same, you know, never thought about my breasts before this study. And now mm. it's all I've been thinking about, you know, and you never know until you get a cancer diagnosis, touch wood. None of us will hear, but you, you you can't know what your decision would be until you know you hear those words, but it it got me thinking around, yeah, is that something to do with this patient's sexual identity and, and the fact that she doesn't feel underneath this male gaze, or is it something else? Is it just personal preference? you know is Is it necessarily related to sexual orientation?
2: I thought about this when reading some of the materials you shared with us um about you know, because I'm gay, obviously, and, um, and I, and I did think about like, in terms of, I think I am, (laughs) um, no, but I did think about in terms of the workplace and how Mm -hmm. I present myself. And if I were ever in this position, which God forbid, but, you know, I think, I think I would really struggle not having my Mm breast, and not, not, not because it's in a sexualized way. And I'm sure I'd probably have the same problems of, you know, um, not feeling like myself feeling ashamed or if mm. you just, you know, cause I feel like any sort of big change, um, in people's lives, I think people might have natural questions of, you know, am I lovable still mm. or am I good enough or, mm. um, and I just think those are quite normal, uh, things given, the, you know, whatever circumstance. Um, but I, I guess for heterosexual women, um, I am curious if that, if that's more of a, of a thing? Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. I guess for me I would I would I think and what about you guys? Like I would find it hard not having my breast and I don't know if having a double mastectomy for me would be something that I could live with easily. Mm-hmm. I'm just I but I don't know cuz I'm not in the situation, but it is interesting because I don't know if it's being gay that mm-hmm. would make me change my mind on that issue. Um but you know, everybody's different. Mm. What I, do you guys think?
1: I think um I would massively struggle. Definitely, it wouldn't even be a question for me to um, to stay flat. And I don't know why. I I like I haven't I haven't properly thought about it or thought like what is my attachment and what you know what does this say about me or or anything else. But my overwhelming kind of gut feeling is that yeah I I couldn't I couldn't do that. Which is
2: yeah, it's quite a resolute, quite strong feeling that you wouldn't stay flat definitely so you not. would try to get implants, or absolutely, yeah, I definitely would, yeah,
0: I don't know, um, I think for me, more than kind of the importance of breasts, it would be more about probably desperately wanting to go back to a normal or I like mm. perceive the normal, and so almost kind of desperately wanted to put it behind me, and if that means kind of recognizing what I see in the mirror more, um. Then I I guess I might associate that person in the mirror with breasts as like the healthy person that I was before. Right. Um, and so more than the breasts themselves, um, I'm sure my clothes will fit probably a little bit better if I had like a flatter chest. Um, but no, I think beyond that, apart from the joke, I think it would be more about just really wanting to get back to normal and maybe somewhere, like I was saying, associating that normal with and that healthy normal with mm. with just that silhouette that's got
3: breasts Mm. because i think it's most basic as well because we can talk around you know cultural constructions of femininity and if we lose our breasts then we lose our feminine identity in an external environment but it's most basic we're losing a body part that we've Mm. grown up with and we've seen grow and develop as we have um and it's an intrinsic part of us you know Mm. i don't attach much importance to my breasts personally in in what i wear or how i present but but my work here has made me realize you know i would really miss them if they weren't here yeah Mm -hmm. and it's you know the scarring that's left behind is a constant reminder of the breast cancer Mm. but as is if you have a reconstruction and the kind of slight disfigurement that may come with that or the scarring or so I think the new normal, Mathilde, that you were just talking around is, is is a really important concept in breast cancer care because it helps patients look forward rather than look, looking backwards to what they had. It's it's okay, how do I cope? How do I deal? How do I celebrate as mm. much as possible my battle scars? Mm. Yeah. And a lot of women now are getting tattoos over their battle scars. So mm-hmm. they call them battle scars, that mastectomy scars. So whether that's after they've had a reconstruction or if they've decided to stay flat, They'll celebrate that area rather than mm. you know cover it up and and kind of shroud it in shame. They'll be like, "No, I, I survived this, mm. and it's okay." Um, Those and, pictures look beautiful. Yeah, as well. so beautiful. Mm. Like I,
2: I said earlier, I was crying looking at these yeah. pictures. <laughs> Seriously, though, they're here. Like powerful. it's amazing, very powerful. Mm. Um, I guess that being said, with kind of the 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 new way of looking at these things, um, there are quite a few celebrities who. Have had mastectomies, mm. double mastectomies. Mm-hmm. Like, didn't Angelina Jolie? I know mm-hmm. she had. She did, yeah. Yeah, she did. Yeah. Who else had?
0: Oh, I don't know. Um, definitely some other celebrities. I can't quite think. Oh,
1: Michelle. I mean, she is a celebrity. Michelle Heaton from Liberty Hex. Yes. Had okay. I uh, and I oh. I, I only know this because I've had a little bit of time off work. I got stuck down a YouTube hole. I started watching the big reunion again that was on ITV. <laughs> from 2014, Liberty X reformed. It was a whole big thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, as part of um, her conversations there, she um, gave some very compelling interviews about it. She had been told that she had the, is it the BRCA? Yeah. She, BRCA 1 gene? Yeah. Is that correct? BRCA 2. Yeah. BRCA 2 gene. I think it's BRCA 2. Um brca one or two uh, yeah. Jean and she had opted which which for you guys and for the listeners and again I'm far from an expert so please do jump in stuff um I think it it gave her an 80% chance of developing mm. breast yeah. cancer within wow. her life yeah so she opted instead of taking those chances she had a young family etc she was like I'm actually going to go and and have a double mastectomy I think she had reconstruction yeah I yeah. think um but yeah she she's given some exceptionally powerful interviews Mm-hmm. on it and she actually references quite a lot um because for anyone who does isn't isn't aware of who liberty x are uh they were a pop band from uh the mid 2000s 2005 they thereabouts but they're i would say probably in in looking back on it now the the three women in the band are very hypersexualized. like it's very you know they literally have a music video where they're in pvc and and What's she famous song? um just a little when they Ooh, have like a, that's yeah. the one yeah I know. and she talks about how her uh, she felt like her identity and her career were tied into like her whole body and mm. like how that impacted her and it like it's, it's very like there's it's it's hugely impactful mm. um i don't think angelina jolie really i think she had the same kind of she did of i diagnosis. think she did a
2: genetic test and i think she also it, yeah. got um uh she got i think she got a full I think she had her ovaries removed um right what is that called again oophorectomy an oophorectomy but i think she had more than that when you get like everything removed okay i can't believe i don't know this my mom had i think it's how the hell do i not know uh, hysterectomy hysterectomy right yeah so she had so so i think she also did the genetic test to kind of find out what it was that she had and so she decided to lower her risks and then get all of this done Which is interesting. And I think the positive side of this is that it's so powerful to have people who have a platform Mm. to be sharing their stories about this so that people don't feel alone. Yeah, Um, I think that on the other side of it, when people start getting tons of genetic testing done, it kind of forces people to go down a, an unnatural rabbit hole. Mm. And I think in some instances, it's great to have the option to get genetic testing, especially when it comes to a point where this could be quite a debilitating thing for somebody in their future. But just because you have a gene mutation for something doesn't necessarily mean, again, I'm not a doctor or a geneticist, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to get it. Mm. Mm. You know? So it, it becomes this whole thing of like, I don't know, in life... How you know how people are choosing to to live, and you're almost kind of playing with um, fate in a way. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Does any of this sort of stuff with genes come up in your in your research? Or? No, it's it's kind
3: of outside of yeah. my areas. Um, okay. Yeah. So, so and, and I had to be really careful with my PhD because personally I tend to get very distracted so Mm. if I see a squirrel I'm like oh gonna kind (laughs) of um and I had to really hone in on 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 my area um in terms of breast reconstruction and psychosexual health so the genes stuff did come up but I had to kind of yeah Mm -hmm. slap myself away from it and be like no Steph keep keep on track so maybe that's another study um yeah. Because you do become so kind of consumed in your own area. And uh, yeah, totally. it'd be nice to kind of branch out, but not yet.
0: I wonder if also now that um, I feel like the younger generations are less kind of binary. Maybe the conversation is a lot more out there about mm-hmm. kind of how you present your gender. And I wonder if that means that um, those kind of issues with reconstruction might arise a little bit less or, or if if staying flat might become more of a common option mm. because the way you're presenting your gender is becoming a lot less kind of this is what a woman looks like this is what a man looks like mm. i wonder if that's going to be happening more and more is going to be a much more of a realistic option for more people
3: yeah and i i, I kind of hope in terms of body positivity as well and people taking pride in their bodies whatever shape mm. or size or i see that coming through a little bit more i don't know if you guys think the same yeah um but in terms of the binary you know you talk about Matilde that is definitely loosening up in terms of how women identify and in particular lesbian women i know kind of historically when i came out it was very much um, kind of a sexualized version of femininity versus you know mm-hmm. butch a butch man and and that that was your lot as a, mm. as a gay woman kind of growing yeah. up you know you, yeah. you picked either identity well that's what I saw anyway whereas now the kind of the levels the, the spectrum's really kind of flattened out and there's so many different points that people can kind of move in and out of and it feels a hell of a lot healthier definitely
2: I think, I think it's nice that people are just I think, it, you know, it's celebrated to just be who you are mm. and you don't have to fit into any sort of gender conforming, mm. you know, way. I felt the same when I came out. I felt, you know, because I guess I'm more of a feminine woman, but I'm like, should I be ultra feminine? Mm. Like, how do I come across? Are people not going to like me because this is the way that I am showing myself to the world? Do you know what I mean? Like, mm. and it was very confronting for me and I just... Realize, i think the older that i got i'm like i don't give a shit mm. <laughs> i just don't give a shit yeah. you know
1: yeah. i've i've re- absolutely reached that point in the last like couple of years of just like i mean i think i've had like my own struggles of like how i present to the world and i'm like am i feminine enough or am i because i always kind of put that pressure on myself and i'm like i think i'm very feminine but i probably don't present you know when you look at me I'm not necessarily the most feminine person you've ever seen, but I think in terms of like mannerisms and how I, you know, I mm. I feel very feminine. Mm. But I don't necessarily look particularly feminine. I have short hair, et cetera. Mm. Um, but yeah, I've had to like find my own comfort level of like, you can be, feel as feminine as, you know, I feel, but also you can wear whatever you want and still feel like that. And the two don't have to marry together. If that makes sense. Mm, but totally. yeah, it's been, yeah, it's definitely been a journey for me in that. And I think only the last couple of years, um, even probably like the last year, even two years, very recently that I've just kind of reached your point, Mal, and been like, I don't really give a fuck anymore. Yeah. Um, I mean, but also like
2: feminine is just, uh, again, that word. Like I have some very close friends who are incredibly straight women in America who are so beautiful. And like you look at pictures of them, you're like wow you're the epitome of what a feminine beautiful woman looks like whatever that means but like you sit down with them and they're the most masculine women who just hold themselves in a very I don't know I guess more of a masculine way and they're totally straight women so again I think this whole thing of how you present yourself and all of this like it doesn't really matter at the Mm -hmm. end of the day do you know what I mean Mm -hmm. um
0: definitely
1: yeah yeah So a couple of episodes ago, we talked as a group about self-care and Mm -hmm. at the time it was self-care around, you know, upcoming holidays, etc. But generally, like, I think, you know, self-care is a big topic for me. I think maybe for all of us. And I think, you know, what would your tips be in general as a qualified therapist on self-care? Because we always caveat and say we're not experts, we're not
3: therapists, but you actually are. So I guess the first thing that comes to my mind when you say that is talk and i know it's a cliche um but to talk to friends or colleagues if you can or family members even if if they'll listen just to start kind of articulating what's going on for you um and and being brave enough to say that because that that can take a lot um for those people who don't have those types of you know contacts around them the internet can be quite wonderful in terms of, you know, going on Mind or on some blogs around mental health, picking them carefully So going to kind of registered charities and, and seeing what's out there then. Um, but, yeah, I think personally um, to be kind to yourself, mm-hmm. to know that it's okay to be feeling. You know, we all feel down. I think mm-hmm. it's something that we don't talk about enough in society is, When we're feeling a bit crap, or when we're feeling a bit vulnerable, or when we're feeling a bit sensitive, or we haven't been programmed to talk around it, and it's really important we do. So, I'd say talking is is my main kind of hundred percent piece of advice. Absolutely.
0: Mm, Um. So, Steph, if people wanted to read your research or, you know, check out a little bit more about what you do, can they? Is that something that is just particular of academia or can people just like find your papers online
3: you're putting me on the spot now um Very. no so i will um finish in march i'm yes. gonna put that out there um after which I, I should hopefully have a few publications before then um so eventually you can search me on google look and
0: out for dr stephanie Mays. all of this
3: research will come up so it's coming yeah i right. just feel a bit sheepish about it because it's not there yet no,
0: mm. no, looking forward to it. I mean, yeah. March, not to put any pressure on you, but March is only around the corner. Dr. Mays. Dr. Mays. Dr. Mays.
1: <laughs> Amazing. Well, thank you so much, My pleasure. soon to be Dr. Stephanie Mays, uh, for joining thank us. Thank you like i need to go home now and um dig out my box of vhs's and
0: <laughs> I look at yourself in the mirror and
1: check and absolutely look at my vhs's and check which boob is bigger than the other does anyone want to come back to mine because it sounds, like, be. a sounds like a great party <laughs> let's do it
0: <laughs>
1: thanks guys catch you next thank time you. thank you bye
0: see you soon bye